You're listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors over on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 states, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reverend Kino, how can church offices build the body to attain unity? Mm, So, so here's, here's my take. These offices are supposed to be equipping us to building up the whole body. But now what we've done, I think these offices have taken and becoming silos of themselves and try to build up themselves and they forgot what their mandates are. So I believe that if we can just get off of our own high horse and know what the mandate calls us to do and that that is to make disciples in all the nations, all the earth, in the name of baptizing them, I think that's how we can have you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, I'm Tiberius Wan, and this is Joshua Knoll. Hello. That, that, I'm just kidding. I am Joshua Knoll, that's Tiberius Wan. And today we are at part four of our church offices series. We're going to be talking about the office of the bishop, the episcopus. Um, and while we're at it, we decided it would be, th- this would be an opportune time to talk about hierarchy, whether or not it should exist in the church. Um, Listeners may be aware Martin Luther was kind of famous for the hey, priesthood of all believers, anti-hierarchy kind of stance, uh, the tr- home church movement lately, bringing up the same kind of ideas. So we're going to discuss that a little bit today as well. All right. We wanted to give a special shout out to our patrons, Austin, Russell, Sandra, Lily, Jeannie, Aaron, Justin, Frida, Taryn, and Dawn. Yeah. And uh, before we move on, we do just want to let everybody know, um, just because someone's represented in this episode doesn't mean that they would get along perfectly with everybody else in this episode. Some of our guests would not be able to have perfect church unity and worship together. That is what we're working towards. We're just not quite there yet. With that disclaimer out of the way, you guys know you have had to watch Barnyard before starting this series. Um because our silly questions are all from the movie Barnyard. Today's silly question, TJ, it's pretty much the same as last week, but a different church office. If any animal from Barnyard were to fill the office of the bishop at the church of the barn, who would it be? So this is, you know, I think the questions are going to get easier after this. Up to this point, uh, these offices kind of have the same characteristics, you know, like the same general affinities that would make someone, you know, want to be one of these things. Uh, but I'm going to have to go. I think I've used all the good ones for Bishop. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with Wild Mike. Uh, I think the additional responsibility would really help Wild Mike settle down. Uh, maybe they'd let him out of his little box more than just to dance at barn parties. 
you know, I, I really think he'd come into his role, really flourish. I mean, it certainly sounds like it would be more interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to steal your answer from last week for this week. Uh, ben, Otis's dad. Mm-hmm. He's alive for enough of the movie that I'm just going to say that it counts. I'm going to let him be the bishop. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I do. Th- I, Otis could also be a good bishop. I haven't said Otis yeah. yet, but, you know, into the series. But I feel like you went, you went a different route with this. You went like the, the guy who partied up in college, had a great salvation story, and is now a responsible bishop. Yeah. In our canon of the barnyard, Wild Mike really turns things around. <laughs> Dedicates yeah, his we're life just to continuing the that Emmy award-winning show, it turns out. <laughs> right. Uh, so in the clips coming up, we ask our guests what they think about bishops in the barnyard. Uh, we don't, but uh, I kind of wish we did. Uh, what we do yeah. ask them is how Should they would us. define a bishop. Later on, we will ask them the difference between a bishop and a pastor and whether there's a hierarchical system in their denomination or not. Uh, And finally, we ask our guests how they can relate to bishops of other traditions. Uh, You'll hear clips from Sister Rose, who is a nun at Catholic Church, a Catholic church, who runs the Catholic campus ministry at UNCW. Uh, Professor Christopher Moreland, who is a religion professor professor, at that same school. Uh, Father Jonathan Resmini, a priest at the Holy Trinity Orthodox Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Reverend Steve Lonklow, an Anglican priest working as a chaplain with the U.S. Navy. Joe Day, a leader of a home church and host of the Buddy Walk with Jesus podcast. Pastor Will Rose of the Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Pastor Gary Adkins of Harvest Ministries, Church of God of Prophecy, a Pentecostal tradition in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Reverend Keno Kennedy of Union Bethel AME Zion Church in Cornelius, North Carolina. Uh, Reverend Kelly O'Sullivan, also a minister of the Anglican Church. And Dr. Russell Moore, director of Christianity Today's Public Theology Project and a minister in residence at Emmanuel Nashville, which is an inter- interdenominational church. Uh, but he was raised Baptist. Uh, there was a little more variety in how our guests defined the role of a bishop than there was for pastor. Uh, so here are those clips about what they had to say about a bishop. First, we asked Dr. Russell Moore how he would define the role of the bishop. So, Dr. Russell Moore, how would you define a bishop? Well, again, I think that's going to depend um, largely upon someone's ecclesial context. And so uh, there are going to be some people who are going to see in the office of bishop um, a unique calling that is uh, responsible for multiple congregations. Um, you, you can see that not only in the Catholic and Anglican uh, traditions, but also in um, some uh, evangelical Protestant uh, sorts of denominations, especially within the African-American church. Uh, that, that would be very different from, say, a Catholic or Anglican bishop, but all, but has that sort of responsibility for multiple congregations. Uh, all the way over to those who are in the more um, Baptistic sorts of uh, denominations that would see bishop as being essentially equivalent to pastor. 
Uh, and Incorrect. so that's that's going to largely depend upon how one sees uh, sees one's larger ecclesiology. Now we ask Pastor Gary Atkins of Harvest Ministries Church of God of Prophecy the same thing. Pastor Gary Atkins, how would you define a bishop? Well, again, bishop is it can be interchangeable with pastor, with elder. In our organization, we we make the role of bishop different. Okay, it's a little bit elevated. And I really don't know how to explain this other than the way I just said it. You can be a pastor and not be a bishop in our group. And then while you're a pastor, you can get moved up to the level of bishop, but you're still the same pastor. So it's not functionally any different? Not functionally. Now, there may be um, like places in our polity where we're at our general meetings and we're voting on something. They may have an only bishop voting session. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So there might be things like that, but other than that, there's no difference in a pastor who pastors a church and a bishop who pastors a church. None yeah. whatsoever. Would you say it's more of an honorary title? That's exactly what I see it as in our group. We also asked Pastor Will Rose of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church how he would define what a bishop is. Pastor Will Rose, how would you define a bishop? Mm. In the Lutheran Church, we do have bishops, and my bishop is the Bishop of North Carolina, uh, Bishop Tim Smith, who is a UNC grad and actually played JV basketball with uh, hmm. Michael Jordan at UNC. Wow. So he's a great, great dude. And um, yeah, Bishop, again, the Greek uh, episcopus is the, is the word there that's used in scripture, and it just means overseer. So someone who oversees a district or a territory or a synod uh, to help guide it. So just as I am a pastor that oversees my flock here at Holy Trinity, the bishop's role is to oversee all the churches within their district or within their territory or synod to take care of other pastors and other congregations, make sure that they are uh, healthy, that they are fed, that they are um, fulfilling their mission as um, as those who proclaim and share the good news of, of Jesus. We asked Joe Day of the Home Church and and host of Buddy Walk with Jesus the same thing. All right, uh, Joe Day, how would you just define a bishop as an elder? Um, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but essentially at this point you're getting to elders, and I think that I think that when it comes to church governance or ministries or any organized effort, we'll say, to spread the gospel or to do gospel works or anything like that, anytime that it's a one-man band, it becomes, that's when you start to open the door to it becoming a train. You know, we we can see, we can point to countless examples throughout human history of times where this has gone backwards. And the common thread that you find in many of these is that it was a one man, it was a one person at the top calling the shots, unfettered authority, all of those kinds of things. So if you call it a bishop, 
okay, it's not the end of the world. At this point, I think we're, we're we split hairs, and I think at this point, there's so many different subgroupings of church offices that, um, to me, you're you're no different from from an elder or a, a part of the plurality of elders that are tasked with their responsibility within it. We asked Kelly O'Sullivan, a minister of the Anglican Church, how he would define a bishop. Um, some people would suggest that bishop and a sing- singular bishop and an elder are synonymous. You know, overseer and elder is kind of used synonymously elsewhere. Some people, like uh, the scholar Luke Timothy Johnson, would see them as the same thing. But uh, historically, what happened is that. One presbyter was exalted above others as a first a chairman of a council of elders. Um, and that person uh, made a final call, kind of made the shot, uh, called the shot. At the end of the first century, um, by the time of, by 100 AD, you see most major churches had separated bishops and elders. Bishops at that point were senior pastors um, with a council, a board of elders, and then um, uh, deacons helping to serve, and they uh, worked with the lady to have the church service. As time went on, they uh, then the church expanded. They had satellite campuses out in the rural areas, um, that districts that they would call the, that's where we get the word parish. It's from uh, the word district um, or a word that meant district. Uh, they would ha- um, the bishop would um, delegate to those satellite campuses, essentially, uh, elders. And then so that's where you get the development of what's called a diocese, a region with a a senior pastor over a region of churches. And that's essentially what a bishop is. He's a senior pastor over a region of churches that he's delegated to his uh, elders or presbyters. We asked Father Jonathan Rizmini of Holy Trinity Orthodox Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, how he would define a bishop. Um, we know that they are they were they were appointed by the apostles to be overseers at episcopos in Greek, Greek literature, which is where we get the word bishop. Episcopos just means overseer, and so he is the person um, in the Orthodox Church. It's it's men only who are who are bishops. Um, who is, uh, by God's grace, blessed to stand in the place of Christ, to be the overseer of the Christian community in a particular region. Usually, historically, it was uh, the bishop was a bishop of a city, and we've carried that over in kind of our traditional Orthodox countries. Here in the United States, we have fewer bishops, so they end up being bishops of very large portions of the Orthodox Church uh, in America. And so, um, but they are the, like the, they're the symbol of unity, uh, of the Orthodox in the the region that are in, uh, that has been entrusted to their care. So my bishop is Metropolitan Alexios, who is the Metropolitan Bishop of Atlanta in Georgia. Uh, and he is basically the bishop of the entire Southeast region. 
um, and uh, I am directly under his authority. He assigned me to the parish where I serve. He could move me at any time if he wanted to. Uh, thank God he he doesn't uh, <laughs> because I'm enjoying my time here and I just bought a house. So that would be unfortunate. But um, but I serve uh, under with his blessing. I serve in uh, on behalf of him. Uh, he has so much the the symbol of unity that there's a, a thing on the altar table called the Andimitsion, uh, and it's a, a beautiful icon of Christ's uh, being taken down from the cross. And we need to have that in order to conduct an or- a service. And on that is the signature of the bishop. And when the bishop isn't there, uh, I receive, I, I I venerate the the signature, so to speak, as a is an imaging of the veneration of the bishop's hand that you do after you get a blessing because everything has to be done with a blessing. And again, it's not the bishop's personal blessing, but he's offering the blessing of Christ based on his office, uh, his authority given by, by God through the church uh, to be the overseer of this region. And so okay. everything I do, I do at the, at the blessing of the bishop. We asked Reverend Steve Lonklow of the Anglican Church the same thing. So they they are, are given this uh, particular shepherding responsibility, a leadership responsibility. They are especially charged with uh, uh, chasing away heresy, uh, the wolves and uh, the, the wolves in sheep's clothing kind of thing, and 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 to guard the church from false teaching. We see the early bishops of the church doing this through the uh, different ecumenical councils that met in the first several centuries. Bishops are also given a charge to ordain. That is something in the Anglican church that neither deacons nor priests can do. So I, as a priest, cannot ordain someone else. Only bishops can ordain. And that that is through the laying on of hands. Bishops themselves are ordained by other bishops. Uh, and traditionally, it's three bishops who will lay their hands on a man to receive the the, the calling and the office of, of bishop in the church. Um, gotcha. In the Anglican church, bishops are also given the special charge to confirm. That is something that is different from both Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. So uh, in, and and Protestantism in general uh, and the Orthodox church. uh Priests confirm or chrismate, and they do that actually when at, at, at baptism, and they practice infant baptism. So a baby would be uh, bat- baptized and confirmed all at once. Um, and, the, and, and there's historical reasons for, for why this practice develops. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll try not to get into the weeds. <laughs> in, in the Roman Catholic <laughs> Church, yep. uh, where they also baptize infants, uh, children are usually confirmed around 10, 11, 12 years old after they've made uh, a profession of faith, they're confirmed. And it used to be that they were confirmed by the bishops, but uh, that that has been passed down to the the priests. And now priests in the Roman Catholic Church uh, are allowed to confirm. Uh, Anglicanism reserves that special office or or that special um, job for bishops. So only bishops can confirm. And, And we usually will do confirmations around uh, 10 or 10, 11, 12 for children who are baptized as infants and for any, any other adults who are coming into the church who have not been confirmed, uh, we will confirm them as well. But again, only bishops do that. That is not something that I, nor any deacon, uh, does. Oh yeah. And, uh, for those who don't know, confirmation is just sort of, um, 
when a person makes the faith their faith their own, basically, um, mm-hmm. formally. Mm-hmm. We also asked Reverend Kino Kennedy of the AME Zion Church what a bishop is in their denomination. Uh, Reverend Kino Kennedy, how would you define a bishop? <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, okay, so so a bishop is an overseer of a church of many churches. Um, and in the Methodist church, the bishop is not an ordained office. We only have two ordinations. I know you haven't gotten to it yet, but we have two ordinations. That is just deacons and elders. And for us, the bishop is consecrated, but not not ordained. Um, that, so that so that means that for us, the bishop has the episcopal authority over the whole denomination, but but and has the right to um, his or her office. They can they can appoint or reappoint pastors. Um, they but they don't have a church. Our bishops don't have churches. They have Episcopal mm. areas that they oversee. So in my Episcopal area, which is mostly of Western North Carolina from Greensboro to the mountains, um, and then there's some churches in Jamaica, my bishop is responsible for overseeing, um, is it th- 259 churches? So so, <laughs> so imagine two hundred nine okay. churches. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> that, that it, that's very so so so. It's it's hard to try to manage, but he's like an administrator. Uh, so our bishops really serve as administrators, but also the, as the Episcopal, not Episcopal, but the the leaders of our denomination. So if there's any questions or issues in in, ter- in terms of the church law in the interim of our annual meeting, which is a general conference, though the bishops are responsible for doing that, that. So, so our bishops function a little different than some other denominations. Um, but, um, they, they still are consecrated, not ordained for us. That's the, that's the main distinction. Okay. So could someone who is ordained as a pastor or elder, are they allowed to be bishops or is that? Yes. And so funny enough, we have qualifications, you <laughs> know, for you to run, to be a bishop, because our bishops run and they are elected. Um, yeah, they are elected during our denomination. Um, and for us, there we only have 12. So um, if, if the, one of the bishops is not retiring or one of the bishops die in office, then that, that when we meet at our general conference that meets every four years, then we're not going to um, we're not going to if nobody's retired or died, we're not going to elect any any bishops. But um, what we do have is um, yes, anybody can, but you have to be you have to be an ordained elder in our church. You have to have one wife, one living wife. Um, you have to have served the church or traveled the church, as they say, for twenty years. Um, but anyone can run for a bishop, but you have to be elected in our oh. church. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so, I think that's for for that's I think, but that's also for. All Methodist churches, all their bishops are elected at their general conferences. So if it's United Methodist or AME or AME Zion or CME, um, that's that's the same thing for all, all Methodist churches.
All right. Yeah. So what stood out to me most, um, just in how our guest defined what a bishop is, was that there seemed to be like three main stances on this. See if, see if you would agree with this. Um, it seemed like some people think a bishop is the same thing as a pastor. Um, some people believe it is an overseer over many churches. And some people just it's the highest form of ordination. Like it's a different level of ordination. So it's either like an overseer, a pastor with a cooler name or an actual different level of ordination. Is that kind of what tracked with you when listening to that too? Yeah. I, uh, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, the, the splits lined up really well with like the liturgy level of the church. You know, like the high liturgical churches all had similar enough answers, except for, um, let's say Anglicans were different. Were Luther's. I think Anglican, Orthodox, and Catholic were the same. And then, and then Lutherans, Lutherans were. were. Yeah. And then, you know, your lower liturgical churches were like, oh, yeah, pretty much the same as pastor. So, yeah. I've been home church, it's. No, it's literally the same thing. Yeah. 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 So when we asked about the difference between being a bishop and a pastor or even a CEO, uh, we got some interesting responses. Uh, here are a few more clips from interviews. First, we asked Professor Chris Moreland, a religion professor at UNCW and a member of the Catholic Church, what the difference of a bishop and a pastor is in his church. Gotcha. Uh, how is a bishop different from a pastor? Well, I think a good bishop is a pastor, meaning that he shows solicitude and care for his flock. A good bishop with pastoral sense knows when to, you know, whack the sheep over their head with his crook and also when to cradle them in his arms. Um, there is, as Augustine said, there are different spiritual remedies for different spiritual maladies. So he really is the chief shepherd and a good bishop is pastoral and is a pastor because they, of course, celebrate mass themselves. You know? mm -hmm. Now, obviously, this is before they had big screens projecting people in. Um, and so the elders would do the Lord's Supper. The elders would uh, would uh, uh, preach sermons and do discipline um, in the in the bishop's authority. But that's essentially where you find the distinction is that a bishop oversees um, the oversees elders, ordains people elders, um, and kind of runs several different churches at the same time. Um, so But so so they have authority, like in a sense that this our particular bishop, not only is a pastor to the pastors that if I have something I'm going through, I need to talk with him with or or pray with. He was definitely there for me as a pastor. But if also there's conflict in my congregation and I'm misbehaving in any kind of way, whether it's uh, relational or 
or, or abuse of money or uh, sexual misconduct, he has the authority to come in and um, and solve that conflict and either defrock me, kick me out and 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 help. So he has authority in that way. It's kind of like a human relations or personnel within like a corporation. Yeah. He has he has the authority to come in and and and. And help a congregation that's going through hard times. And they also help connect churches that are looking for pastors. So say um, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Raleigh is looking for a new pastor, then he would connect them with uh, a pastor that he thinks uh, she would be uh, a good fit for them. We asked Sister Rose of the Catholic Campus Ministries at UNCW how she would define the difference of a bishop and the pope of the Catholic Church. So, what 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 is the difference between a bishop and the pope? Is the pope just like the bishop of the bishops? Okay, so the pope we see as the vicar of Christ, right? The successor of Peter. The pope is actually the bishop of Rome. You know the city of Rome. Yeah, see, I've heard that. Yeah, he is just bishop, never, he's the bishop yeah. of Rome. And and so um, the Pope is elected by the College of Cardinals. So he's elected among, you know, from among from among the the cardinals and the cardinals. Well, this is interesting because this hasn't always been the case, but in the modern age, Priests have been ordained bishops, and some bishops have been have been created as cardinals, and it's among those cardinals who elect the pope. How does a bishop become a cardinal? Uh, the, the pope ma- makes him a cardinal. Okay, so that's how one pope sort of has a say in the next pope through that. Well, and now it's a good point. Yes, as a matter of fact, because according to canon law of the cardinals, if you are over 80 years old, you are you can't vote in a conclave. So if uh, you are if you are the pope today, you can name as many you can create as many cardinals as you would like. Um, And then all of those cardinals who are under the age of 80 can are eligible to vote at the conclave and a conclave is that meeting that takes place in the Sistine Chapel when a new pope is elected you know that's when they use the white and black smoke Hmm. awesome okay that makes a lot more sense now So really what stood out most to me is no one was like, oh, no, it's not like being it's nothing like being a CEO. Uh, They were all just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's kind of the same. Just can't call it. Yeah, that that accidentally came up when I interviewed Pastor Will. And then I just was like, I'll have Sister Rose tell us why it's not the same. And I was like, oh, maybe a bishop is the same thing as a CEO. Right. That's that's, kind of pretty amusing, actually. And again, like you see the split between the high and the low liturgical churches where the difference is either nothing 
or very austere, like, you know, like Bishop and Pastor are extremely different to the Catholic Orthodox and Anglican churches and not different at all in the home church. A lot of disparity there. Yeah. I am. Um, and this is one where I, I could see this being one of those where like a lot of confusion could take place. Like if uh, someone from Kino's church at the AME Zion church was talking to someone from our church about, and you know, someone from our church was like, yeah, you know, Bishop so-and-so they're picturing someone who is like the state overseer. And what we mean is a pastor who's really cool. Yeah. A, a pastor who yeah. the rest of the state was just like, yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. Great pastor. Yeah. <laughs> He's bishop now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Definitely could lead to a lot of confusion if people aren't aware of what the different churches mean when they use that term. Yeah. Um, so was there anything you think we learned from this section that other people listening might have misconceptions about or would have had? Misconceptions? I'm not really sure about. Just because... You know, yeah. these kind of offices I've always known, like, they, these are different in other churches. You know, if I was Catholic, my bishop probably wouldn't teach me how to play the bass. You know? Yeah. I feel like th this might sound weird, but I feel like people from like our denominations or like lower liturgical denominations are aware that Catholics and stuff, their bishops are different. I wonder if it works both ways or if they think that when we say bishop, they assume we're talking about like an overseer or something. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We should ask one Who of knows? the many Catholics we know. That's true. Right. Hey, if you know and you're Catholic listening, please email us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Yeah. Tell us your misconceptions about what you thought about low liturgical bishops, please. Yeah. All right. And next, we asked our guests if there was a hierarchical system in their church or not. And here's what they had to say. First, we asked Pastor Gary Adkins of Harvest Ministries Church of God of Prophecy, a Pentecostal denomination, if there's a hierarchy in their church. Is there a hierarchical system in your church? Well, there definitely is levels of leadership. Um, as I explained a little while ago, Paul was definitely over Titus, no doubt. Yeah. Titus had some authority because he was appointing elders at local churches on the island of Crete. So he had authority over somebody. So right there we see three levels of authority. The pastors, Titus, Paul. We also see in Acts 15... When the church comes together, it looks like James kind of gives the final word to that meeting on, you know, how we're going to accept the Gentiles. I don't know that for fact, but it seems to be that he was kind of given the final word. Paul even said one time uh, when he went to Jerusalem on another occasion, he said those, and I, I forget the way he words of it, basically those that were in kind of these high positions. Yeah. And so I think there are places where God puts people they're an authority over other individuals in the organization. Why? The Bible says, give respect to those who watch over your soul. I don't believe that's just for the church member. I believe I have someone, my boss, as I call him, watches over my soul. If I was to have troubles, he's going to call me up. 
He's going to say, are you okay? What's going on, man? And if I had spiritual issues, he'd come try to restore me um, because he watches for my soul. So I see it like that. It's not like a, a worldly system. It's just the way God ordained it because God wants to speak to a man and then he wants that man to speak to another man. Okay. The reverse of that, Josh, would be what some people call congregational rule. That's where the congregation kind of votes for everything, decides everything for the congregation. We have more of a top-down where we believe God can speak to a man who can speak to another man, who can speak to another person. We believe God still deals with people that way and uh, that there's authority that can be passed that way. Uh, That's kind of our heart on that issue. So how would you answer the criticism that all Christians should answer directly to Christ and there's, you know, that whole spill people give of why hierarchies shouldn't exist in the church? Right. And and I think that um, as far as our tradition, Lutheran tradition, we'd agree with that, that, that we answer to Christ. Uh, um, the reason that we're structured the way we are in terms of pastors and bishops and, and deacons uh, would be for the good order of the church, uh, that we are entrusted with uh, a sacred and holy message, that we have church buildings, we have money, we have gifts and resources so that we can grow the kingdom of God. And so we're organized in a way that can help bring good order to that. And that just as you would have a board of directors that would oversee um, a corporation to make sure they're not doing anything stupid with their money or their marketing or their advertising, um, the say the church is similar that way. And, yeah. and, and, and it, we use biblical names like bishop and pastors and, and deacons because that's what Paul used. But Paul was just borrowing that language from uh, Greek and Roman society. <laughs> he, it wasn't like yeah. there were bishops within the, the Hebrew tradition he was coming from. He was borrowing those languages in the letters he wrote to help bring order uh, and efficiency to the early church. And that's the same way that we would do now. We've gotten bigger. Uh, so as corporations get bigger, we get a little bloated. Uh, <laughs> we 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 have to look and see how we're using our resource, but but mainly is to so that we can be efficient and um, and and do the best of our ability with the resources we have that we're structured this way. Yeah. Would it be just as appropriate then if a church decided to replace all those names with like CEO, manager, and you know things that are more contextualized to today? Would it be just as appropriate? Um, yeah, I would, I guess you could, there were some who would make to go that direction. (laughs) It would be awkward because you're like, how do you distinguish between just like the CEO of like Coca-Cola and the CEO of a Lutheran church? And in fact, before there was a merger in the eighties of a few Lutheran churches to create the evangelical Lutheran church of America, there was a church denomination. I think it was, um, I could be wrong, but, uh, the American Lutheran church, had presidents instead of bishops. They were elected to oversee. And then when there's this merger, they decided to use the word bishop because it's more biblical. And then it was a little bit more friendly when we have our uh, continuity, when we have relationships with, say, the Episcopal Church, Episcopate, again, they're overseen by bishops. And then the Anglican Church, the Catholic Church, um, just have a more biblical understand there were some who didn't like established that established like, common language and there were some during that merger that uh, some during that merger where there was uh, some who didn't like that because they thought it was um 
too Catholic or too Anglican. Uh, um, yeah. It was too hierarchical. They would be seen as these people that we have to walk by and kiss their rings and respect and bow down to. But the Lutheran Church is not as much that as um, now. I still respect my bishop because he's like my pastor, and I want to like, you know be be a good pastor and, and good standing with him <laughs> yeah. but but you know we, neither of us would say that he's closer to jesus than i am and vice versa gotcha okay but for those of us who who maybe haven't been around bishops that often um what exactly is the difference between a bishop and sort of like a company ceo that just oversees the company <laughs> Well, you know what? That's kind of an interesting question because in the Catholic Church, the entire planet is divided up into into dioceses, and there's a bishop for every diocese, and he holds a lot of responsibility. Um, if you were to look at the diocese as a as as a you know to use secular terms, a corporation, he is the CEO. He holds a lot of 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 power in governing. Um, he's the one who ordains the priests. He's the one who assigns priests and deacons. Um, he's the one who decides what churches open, stay open and close. Um, point of fact, much of the property uh, that belongs to a diocese is actually in the bishop's name, although that's in the process of changing. But uh he he is, you know, shares as a co-worker with with the, you know, the pope um, in the teaching mission. But it also he has all he has a lot of, um, you know, he holds a lot of power in terms of governing as well. Hmm. OK, so uh, the biggest difference is that the church isn't a business then. It, you know, it is yeah. not a business. But yeah. obviously, though, his first task is to preach the gospel. Yeah. You know, um, and and he's he's the shepherd of the diocese. Yeah. You know, that is his primary function. This next clip is Jonathan Resmini, a priest of the Orthodox Church. Um and all for us, all bishops are equal. Uh, we don't have an institutional um, structure uh, with a magisterium and then levels of authority. Uh, all of our bishops are equal, um, meaning that they can do all of them can conduct this, the same services. They have the privilege of ordaining people within their region. They have you know, authority over all the churches entrusted to their care. They can decide if someone is going to serve there, if, you know, someone has the, yeah. the you know, if, if someone wants to make a, a, like, ask for, like, a dispensation for some unique service or something like that, the bishop has to be consulted for the blessing. Um, and so, basically, he is the one in whom we find unity and order within the Orthodox Church in whatever, in, in each region has their own bishop. And some of them are smaller. Awesome. Some of them are larger. Yeah. Yeah. So the church I grew up in had state overseers. Is that sort of the same function, most likely? It depends on. So I think functionally it might. Uh, I think certainly the, the, the authority, the authority to ordain. Um, it's also that, the, you know, in whom apostolic succession has been preserved. We also asked Dr. Russell Moore the same thing. 
All right. Uh, so how is a bishop different from a pastor in your congregation or your church? Well, my church is a little bit unique in the sense that we have people, uh, even in leadership, who are from multiple uh, different sorts of ecclesial traditions. And and we're able to coexist with one another um, really well. Um, Ray Ortland, the founding pastor, is uh, was a PCA Presbyterian and is now an Anglican. Um, uh, Sam Alberry is a Church of England. T.J. Timms is. Um, I don't. I don't honestly. I know he grew up in a Baptist context, but I, I don't know how he would um, characterize himself right now. Uh, Barnabas Piper um, comes out of a, a Baptist, uh, Northern Baptist uh, tradition. So I think you have a variety of different people who are able to say we might, uh, if we're sitting down and we're writing a paper about ecclesiology, we might have differences, but we're we're all committed to this church and to one another and it you know in some places that would probably lead to a bunch of <laughs> bickering and arguing but it, it doesn't there <laughs> so i think that's part of its health so listening to those clips again uh, do you think it's necessary for churches to have hierarchies I think any organization has to have hierarchy, but I think there's a difference of organizational hierarchy and spiritual hierarchy, if that makes sense. Like it's one thing to say, yeah, the bishop oversees the funds for the state and, you know, kind of does human resource managing. And then it's another thing to say he's closer to God than I am or you are or something. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's necessary. Uh, Not the spiritual hierarchy so much. Uh, but having an organizational hierarchy is usually necessary to have something run smoothly. Uh, you know, yeah. too many chefs, not enough helpers. As the old yet politically correct version of that saying goes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, you noticed um, when God governed Israel, he didn't, you know, Lay out. Here's the law of the land. It's anarchy. Have at it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Structure matters to God. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think it'd be helpful for lay people like ordinary church folk to know and understand what bishops do in their own denominations? Well, you should always know who to go to for what issues. So knowing what your bishop does is really helpful for that. Uh, to me, it seems harder to get a hold of your bishop if you're in a high liturgical church. But I'm sure it is possible. Uh, again, I don't know that. I'm not privy to that information. I am not Catholic or Orthodox or Anglican. So who knows? Uh, our bishops are kind of just guys where if you go to them, you know you're going to get some good help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's helpful in our denomination to know these guys are seen as spiritually experienced and adept. 
Um, right. And then I would imagine higher liturgical churches, it's probably helpful to, to, to know that your pastor is answering to someone, that he's being held accountable. I feel like that's probably helpful as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in our church, we don't call him bishop, but we have the state overseer. And it's, I don't know, like it's cool to know that your pastor has somebody who's also caring for him. You don't call him bishop? You know, I do actually. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I call him bishop. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> our state overseer happens to be. A, I wonder, do we have state overseers who aren't bishops? Do you have to be a bishop to be a state overseer no, in our denomination? I, mean, I, I think maybe. You know, I was thinking it might just be a coincidence, but it, it <laughs> probably is. You do have to be a bishop to be the state overseer. Well, if you're from the Church of God of Prophecy and you're listening to this, please yeah. email us at theoldchurch@gmail.com and let right. us know. If you know more than us and you answer us before I text our friend Chris to ask, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So uh, finally, we asked our guests how they could best relate to bishops of other traditions and hear those clips. So could you respect the authority of a bishop from another church denomination? And would you expect other denominations to respect the authority of your bishop? Yeah, I would hope so. Again, you're going to hear me repeat myself, I think. Um, (laughs) Again, we'd have to understand where we're coming from and what that means within um, uh, their tradition. If they wanted me to come in and teach, uh, or I think our bishop would be welcome to come and teach a class on Martin Luther in another church. But if he was called to just ordain um, a particular person within the other person's tradition they're like no our bishop's got that we're going to do it you, that's not yeah. something you do <laughs> uh you're not going to tell us how to discipline our own churches if they're if we feel like they're doing something wrong but if they can come in and lead worship and perhaps preside over holy communion those kinds of things can be can be shared awesome great okay so can you respect or could you respect um, bishops from other organizations as religious leaders? And uh, do you expect people from other denominations to respect your bishop? I would say that it would be um, as somebody who's dedicated their life to Christ in the church uh, is, is I mean, worthy of, of respect. I mean, all we should be respectful of everyone. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter, you know, if you're an ordained person or not, we should be treating each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I, I have I have closer ties with bishops of, of say like the Catholic tradition or the high church Protestant traditions just because of who I've worked with, um, but uh, you know I I have gotten the blessing like the not the blessing to serve or do something in liturgically but I've gotten the spiritual blessing uh, from you know bishops and lay people uh, and uh, bishops and and overseers from other traditions ask them to pray for me. Um, and uh, and I, I respect their capacity to do such things. Um, I would I would definitely say that they have every authority, every right to uh, to oversee their churches as they see fit. Uh, I'm not as immediately affected by that, but <laughs> yeah. um, 
Um, but I would say that, you know, one should be respectful. One should recognize the sacrifice as a clergyman myself. I recognize the sacrifice that comes in service to the church. And I'm just responsible of like a third of a parish because there's three of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, my bishop is responsible for, you know, 60, 70 parishes, and, um, an overseer for a state and a large, you know, denomination, will, you know, might likely have, you know, the same number of parishes that they're responsible for and fielding responsibilities and dealing with you know little fires and big fires that come about in the um in the church um and so in that way i would I, again it, the, the challenge is we don't necessarily i don't i don't have any they don't have any direct authority over me and my own action uh but i would expect that they would have the same level of respect for me um, uh, it turned to me for whatever expertise I have. If they, you know, wanted a, you know, to know a little bit about patristic theology or <laughs> spirituality yeah. um, uh, or practical theology, which is what my PhD is in, I mean, I would hope that I could teach them. I mean, I, I taught uh, when I was in my doctoral program. I taught students from many different traditions. Um, that authority didn't come from being ordained. I wasn't ordained yet. It came from my position as a, a teaching a teaching fellow and an educated person. Yeah, um, but I would hope that, um, like with the with the deacon, or uh, uh, I would say that the bishop ought to, um, or overseer, or whatever whatever a jurisdiction or uh, denomination calls it, uh, should be respected for their role as uh, as leader and and um, uh, and figurehead or you know chief pastor, whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah. of their community because it's a it's a it's a it's a as paul said it's a, they they've aspired to a great office and yeah it's uh it's i mean i would never want to think you know i, I hope i never have to become one uh, but um, yeah um, but yeah yeah um so just as an example then if for some reason and i do not foresee this happening but if like a, a Baptist preacher in Charlotte was sick and their bishop or their overseer were to reach out and ask for you to fill in and preach on a Wednesday or something for him and you happen to be free, would you be willing to respect them, respect that and I don't know, maybe speak to them if you had a word? Uh, if I got the blessing of my bishop to do something like that and it wasn't liturgical, I could do it. I can't serve in any yeah. capacity liturgically uh, in another church. But if they invited me to speak and I got the blessing from my bishop to do it, um, uh, I would I would do it. Uh, I, if I was speaking as an expert in theology as uh, an academic, yeah. I would still talk to my bishop and say, hey, I'm doing this at a, at a, at a you know, this Baptist church. Is that okay with you? He's really awesome about stuff like that. He's the one who kind of encouraged me to get my doctorate anyway. So um, he likes that type of thing, but I, I, I would not have, I would, uh, I would accept it graciously as an offer from someone else, but the authority to do it would come from my bishop, not from someone else's bishop. Okay, awesome. All right, good to know. <laughs> um, so could you respect the authority of a bishop from another denomination? And yes. would you expect people from other denominations to respect the authority of your bishops? Yes, yes. So funny enough, in, in the church <clears throat> universal, uh, I believe that that 
most if not all denominations respect the authority and the office of all bishops but but i will say that uh yes we we our denomination and our church uh recognize anyone else's bishop however i gotta i gotta throw this out there however i don't like that that the the the, the title of bishop is so not respected as it once was that now i can kid you not joshua i can go online spend five hundred dollars and i can become a bishop have my own have my own crest have my own episcopal title all that other stuff yeah if i wanted to weird yeah i know um the church i grew up in it was a a more of a title of honor that some pastors would get if they've been a pastor long enough kind of deal okay but i don't think it it functioned any different than a pastor and our but i'm not sure Maybe we'll find that out when I interview my uh, my pastor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh. If a bishop from another denomination uh, came to you and asked your church to help one of his churches, mm-hmm. but, you know, they struggling in some way, mm-hmm. um, what would be... I don't know what what would be the line of where you'd be willing to yeah. help. Yeah, we've done that um, before my time. The pastor before me, a uh, wonderful man, um, received help from other groups when he was building this local church, this local building, and then he went and returned that favor and helped them when they were in building projects, um, and some of our people did as well. So again. But the criteria would be you have to figure out who this person is, what their doctrine is, what their teaching is, what they believe about Christ, about, you know, his word, all these things we just discussed uh, previously. Uh, Once you know that, I have no problem. The label you wear doesn't really matter to me. It just doesn't. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, (laughs) we are very close in doctrinal belief systems to the Church of God. And I know there are a lot of Church of Gods. We call it the Church of God Cleveland. And then there's the Assembly of God. We're very close in doctrine to them. Um, There are differences, but they're not huge at all. And so if, if someone comes to me of that group, I know who they are. I know what their structure is. I know what their statements of belief are. I have no problem having fellowship with those individuals. You understand what I'm saying? Based on that. All right, so listening to those interviews again, how do you think bishops could play a significant role and helping engender overall church unity. Right. So no matter the role the bishop plays in your church, except for the home church, where it is exactly the same, uh, you know, the bishop is someone who has respect of the church, even more so than the pastor. And with that respect comes the ability to lead more widely. Uh, and you know, people listen to the bishop. Uh, you know, yeah. when someone has yeah. a title like that, they're a lot more likely to listen. 
Yeah. And then for churches who it is more as like a state overseer kind of role or a higher level of ordination, um, I feel like the role of bishop in those churches could more easily be to say, hey, our church here wants to do this mission. I'm going to reach out to other churches for them to see if we can work together. I can see that working out. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, I, I imagine if you're, you know, pastor of Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the bishop of the Lutheran churches in the Carolina region calls you and is like, hey, can our churches do this together? Carries a little bit more weight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's that standard, you know, powerful person. You get the title and everything that comes with it. And even to those who aren't aware, if I think most people generally think bishop, high rank, good man. Sounds cool, if nothing else. Right. The bishop, I love moving in diagonals. I'll listen to whatever he has to say. (laughs) I was just trying to figure out what chess joke I can make. So, uh, yeah, Uh, Bishop Isa. But uh, what actions do you think we can all take this week uh, to better maintain Christian unity concerning the office of bishop? Hmm. Uh, You know, I'm going to do much like what I would tell people who care about issues of politics. Uh, You know, don't wait for the big person overall of the church. Don't wait for, you know, Voting for the president, write to your senator. Although in this case, I'll say write to your bishop. Email your bishop. If you're in a church that's structured that way, if you're in a church that, you know, has stayed overseers instead, email him. Let him know what you would like to see, how you would like to see the church achieve unity in your area. And they can help. Yeah. Uh, what would you say, TJ? I think that's that's right. Uh, if there's one thing that i fairly certain is true it's that bishops want to know who they're leading so reach out i'm sure they'd be glad to hear from you uh much more so than your senators true yeah Uh, so what, what would be the ramifications if we all did that you know church politics gets tricky um Every church is different, but overall, I would imagine that most bishops would hear people in their diocese or people in their state, whatever it may be, want to have unity. And if they hear that that's the priority in the heart of the church, they're going to pursue it too. And I think just overall, you'll see churches be not only more able, but you'll just see, you know, sometimes you see the, the guy pulling the strings on the puppet you'll kind of see these churches structured better to have unity. That's what I think would happen. Right. Uh, What do you think, TJ? I think telling your leaders what you want in their organization is the best way to get what you want. So if they know what you want, that's how it's going to happen. They probably don't just know. So wise. Yeah. That's true. I think that honestly, just to put it out there, I think a lot of bishops and pastors assume that most lay people are more concerned with 
their own issues and their own, you know, personal stuff, which, hey, maybe you are. But if they know that you're also concerned with overall church unity, uh, it's going to be on their mind. Right. Yeah. So try it out. See what happens. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Uh, unless you are listening from Italy and the Pope just so happens to be your local bishop. The Pope might not have enough time to write back to you. But you should try it anyway. I don't know how that works. Me neither. Yeah. I know he's the Bishop of Rome. So, hey, I don't. if you go to church, add the Vatican. Tell him I said what's up. I don't know. Maybe you get a special... Special clearance to write the Pope. He's more likely to listen to you if you live in Rome. Yeah. Maybe. So uh, we would like to move on to our God moment segment, which if you've listened before, you know, uh, we just like to take a minute to share what all God's been up to with us recently, whether it be a blessing, challenge, moment of worship, curse, whatever. And I always like to make Josh go first because it gives me more time to think. Yeah, but I want to be slightly quicker than usual. Uh, today is International Women's Day, the day that we're recording this, and um, I just feel thankful for all the strong, independent women in my life who have been cool examples and just a blessing to me. Yeah. Nice. Right. Yeah. Uh, mine's pretty much the same because it's uh, International Women's Day. I'd like to give a big shout out to She-Hulk. Oh, for you too? I love She-Hulk. Um, uh, no. Solid. <laughs> solid one. Yeah. No, I actually... So. I would have went with... Uh, yeah? I would, would have went with Jessica Drew. Mm-hmm. But I actually uh, went to a Hurricanes game uh, this past Sunday uh, for the second time, and we won this one, which is good. 50-50. I'm not cursed. Uh, and we made <laughs> nice. it there and back safely. So thank God. Because, man, I hate driving on I-85. Especially at two in the morning. I hate when anyone I know spends the money and time to go see their team in any sporting event and that team doesn't win. Yeah, it is really like unfortunate. Genuinely upset if you had gone all that way and that happened to you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it would have been tough. But if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. Reach out to us. Let us know your God moment. Let us know what you think we can do uh, to engender unity with our bishops. And share it with a friend. Share it with an enemy. You can also share it with a cousin. Who knows? It's allowed. It's allowed. <laughs> and it helps yeah. us a lot. Yeah. And if you want to hear uh, more from TJ and I and some other people who are also self-identifying as geeks... Um, Head over to systematicgeekology.org. We just talk about geeky stuff that we like and how it relates to, you know, Christian themes. It's a pretty, pretty cool time. All right. And thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Tune back in next week for part five of our church office series, where we will discuss the office of the apostle. Uh, following that will be the office of the elder. And when we complete the series, we'll take two weeks off before returning to our normal format. And at the end of season one, uh, Francis Chant will be joining us. Yeah, yeah. I hope you heard that, Francis. Right. Francis, this is how you figured out that you're joining us. Yeah. Let us know. You learned uh, just now. Have your people call our people, which is us. Uh, we'll set yeah. that up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
once again, thank you for listening. Come back next week. Hop on over to Patreon. Give us a couple dollars. Uh, to hear Josh summarize this episode at 10 seconds or less. Josh, are you ready? Thank you all for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Again, please consider sponsoring the show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast and tune back in next week for part five of our church office series when we discuss the role of the apostle.